Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Everything is Brand. This week, we ask the question, who does your brand belong to? Does it belong to you? Does it belong to your customers? Does it belong to the general public? Let's explore. All right, guys. So there's a lot of differentiating opinions on this as to whether a brand belongs to the organization that is pushing it out into the world or whether it belongs to the people who interact with the brand. What are your thoughts? I I really think a brand belongs to itself. The brand doesn't belong to people who use it or people who buy it or people who consume it. If you put a brand out there, you decide what impact it should have. You decide who it should address. You decide how you can change it or make it even more relevant. So I think that thinking about it out loud, I think it belongs to you, yet you should be able to (laughs) accept the feedback and embrace the feedback of its users. I was just going to say, it's, it's interesting because I think that Vincent is making a really good point. There are a lot of people saying that the brand belongs to the consumer, to people who are actually interacting with it. And I would agree with Vincent that the brand belongs to the organization in terms of who created it. Because the organization, whether small or large, is really managing their personality, how they actually want to be perceived, how they actually want to be portrayed in the market. Now, sometimes they may actually get feedback or results that are not desirable. So absolutely, they can actually get that kind of response, but they still have the power to control the message and how they are actually perceived out there in the market. So I think that this idea that it's the market that actually creates your brand or controls your brand, I think is a little bit false. And I think it's also a bit of a cop-out. So what about in situations where organizations have put out something into the world and the feedback that they get says, no, that's not who you are. This is how we see you, which has happened multiple times. Is it the responsibility of the organization to listen intently to that feedback or do they stay the course with the brand that they're trying to create out in in the world? Which is it? Is it that organizations create the brand, but then the evolution of that brand is determined by the marketplace? I feel like it's controlled by the almighty dollar a little bit there. It's it's really interesting. And that springs to mind a lot for me in, in the area of social media and social media brands, where they come out with an app, they have this idea, and then the general public takes that idea and completely flips it on its head. And then you watch that app slowly become what the people have dictated it should be. So my answer to that is a little bit, and I don't know if you guys can agree or disagree, it's As long as they're making money, they're kind of like, we'll be whoever you need us to be. We're just looking for a niche in the market in order to be successful. To that point, I think there's a difference between the product that you're putting out there versus your brand and personality of your brand. And I do agree that when you're creating a new brand, I mean, if you know your audience and if you're really plugged in, then you will know how to form your brand around that. Because really, your brand should not only reflect who you are, also, if you are really connecting with your audience, you will know exactly how to create that brand and what you should sound like, what you should look like to appeal to that particular audience. Whether that's a youthful brand or a corporate brand or whatever type of brand it may be, if you're really connected with your audience, you will align it just right to have that connection. 
And I think that if, if you're actually getting really negative feedback, you probably don't know your audience. You're not paying attention to what's really going on. I absolutely agree. It reminds me of what happened to Gap a couple of years ago, perhaps a decade ago, time flies, when they rebranded, when they recreated this logo. I don't know if you remember it, but the reaction was so bad. The logo got such bad feedback that they decided to go back to their old logo. But to me, it proved that there was a disconnect between the management or whoever decided to rebrand and the customers and the expectations from the customers. So yes, Gap brand belongs to Gap, but when they forget to listen to their customers or when they don't pay attention to the customers' expectations and needs, it's good that their customers can remind them what they should be doing. It's interesting in that case, you know, to, to use that example. That's a perfect example of an organization trying to completely rebrand themselves, like introducing a new logo when the brand is really well established. You know, if they actually went and updated the brand, made modifications to realign it with where perhaps the company is going and to reflect maybe changes in the marketplace, that would be a very different exercise. And quite frankly, the way I think people would respond to that would be very different they actually decided to make a drastic change. And people who were connected with that brand just weren't going to have it because it did not connect with the audience. We're talking about the blue square, right? We're talking about the navy blue square, yes. Like, I mean, and that's my point. It was a a navy blue square. I don't remember it, and I I don't know if you guys do, like when we're talking about a brand, how much of that is past the blue square? Because what I remember from that conversation was literally they changed the font in the blue square. And that's what people were up in arms with. I don't know that I would call that a brand modification. That was simply, honestly, I feel like it was a slow news day and people just got up and upset over a font change in a blue square. So I don't know that that's really a brand. I don't remember the photography changing or the messaging changing or the strategy for the gap changing with that brand evolution that was literally, from what I remember, a logo change that people didn't like for some reason. And then all of a sudden they went back to the blue square. So maybe that's a different conversation we need to have in terms of what's involved in a a brand change. And is that a brand change? But I, I just feel like that's, I don't know, it's a strange example in terms of what it's actually standing for, what the conversation we're having versus what actually happened during that that situation. It brings up the question, Jeremy, and the question is, is how much, how much of the brand is tied to what an organization wants to put out into the marketplace and how much of the brand is tied to what the audience is telling them on an ongoing basis. It really becomes this yin and yang kind of thing where, you know, there has to be that balance. So it's a little bit like when you create anything, whether it's a piece of art or whether it's a song or whether it's a movie you go into it with this full list of intentions about what you're trying to create. And ultimately the artist or the director is the, or the singer is the creator of that piece. But then once it goes out into the world, it's open for interpretation. It's open for commentary. It's open for insight. It's open for all of these different things. And a lot of times the intention of what wanted to be done is not necessarily how it's received. And I think that that can happen on, from a brand perspective as well. I'm with you on that one. I, I feel that while physically and creatively it may belong to the organization that it built, but the feeling of it belongs to the audience itself. If I bring up Oreo cookies, for example, we know Oreo cookies are loved 
in our in our office you know <laughs> that that brand may belong to i can't even remember is it mr christie uh the name's not coming to mind as to who it actually belongs to but we all own a bit of oreo right we all have a certain feeling towards it the comfort that that brand brings us and I, and I can go on for other brands as well. We always say that well, we love developing strategy and value propositions and all that when trust is always the one that most clients want to put in there. But trust is one of those things that you can't, doesn't really belong to the brand. It belongs to the end user and whether the end user does trust that brand. So it's it's a bit of that as well, right? I'm with you. Physically, it may belong to the brand, the company itself. But I think from an emotional perspective, a feeling perspective, a decision perspective, it belongs to the audience. But to use your example, Gabby, if they decided to actually change that brand in a major way, then people would lose that connection. But a brand doesn't have to completely change everything in order to update themselves. They can actually make adjustments to whether it's their logo, their imagery, whatever it may be, and slowly make adjustments to reflect changes in the way people buy things or whatever the situation may be. So we're asking if a brand belongs to the company or if the, who does the brand belong to, right? And I think you've just answered the question that it doesn't always belong or it belongs to both parties. I think we're, we're kind of getting to that point where it belongs to the audience and belongs to the company. And, you know, you can't ignore one from the other. You have to listen to the audience. You have to listen to what your consumers are, are saying and feeling about your brand to modify it. And the minute that you ignore one part of it, it can be detrimental to a brand. True. But it's interesting when it comes to the word brand itself, what does it actually mean? Like, what do we mean by that? Are we talking about the logo and kind of visual aspect? Are we talking about the personality, about messaging, about their overall position in the community? Like, because there is a lot more to brand than kind of just the visual aspect. Like if they actually go too far in terms of changing it, yeah, sure, they may actually have some issues. But at the end of the day, they still are in control of that brand and what they want to do with it, knowing that they're in business to connect with their audience, which, you know, whatever that audience is, whether it's a specific narrow niche market or a wider audience, again, it comes down to knowing who you're speaking to. Well, I think it has a lot to do with the way we kind of look at ourselves. We talk often about brand being a personality and we as humans have a personality and we go out into the world and we ultimately own our personality. No one can tell us this is who you have to be and this is what you have to do. That is ultimately our decision. But if all the feedback that we're getting or all of the interactions that we're having are creating a negative viewpoint to who we, who we want to be out in the world, then we have to ask ourselves, okay, am I doing the right thing? Am I putting myself out there the way I should? So I think it's a little bit like that. I think it it really is that you have to make a determination of who you want to be in the marketplace. And then you have to listen. And it comes down to that. It comes down to listening and understanding how people are interacting. I mean, the penalty or the consequence is if, that if you don't listen, you'll be alone. And, and for a brand, the consequence is that people won't buy your product. If all of a sudden Oreos decided that 
chocolate was no longer going to be part of the equation and that only blonde Oreos would be the entire brand, I'm sure that a lot of people would stop interacting, would stop eating Oreos. So there's consequences and there's bad sides to what we do with that control. And without that kind of yin and yang, without the brand owning it and judging who they want to be in the marketplace, and then listening to what the audience wants and and what is important to them, then you're kind of left with nothing. You can own a brand, but if the brand's not connecting, then it doesn't matter. And on the other side, if you're only ever listening to the audience and kind of following wherever they want to take you, then there's, there's no authenticity. There's no base of any kind. So to your point, Gabby, it, it really is this combination of the two. And one without the other just doesn't work. What about for a brand such as Amazon that is made up of a marketplace of a whole bunch of other smaller brands? Where do they fit into the spectrum? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think at the end of the day, as, as much as those brands are part of the Amazon experience, the Amazon brand kind of trumps it. Like, would you know some of those smaller brands if they weren't being distributed by Amazon? You know, it's a little bit too like where Amazon lives in this symbiotic relationship with other brands. So it's not necessarily the quality of the product that I'm going to judge Amazon on, but I'm going to judge them on the delivery of it, on the interaction, on the distribution. So I'm, I think the consumers have become fully aware of where each brand sits in the continuum a little bit and judges accordingly. For example, if I buy something off of Amazon and it breaks the first day, I'm going to reach out to Amazon because they manage that relationship for me, but they're probably going to send me to the manufacturer. And I'm probably going to accept that because I understand that they're a distribution channel more than anything. I think it's becoming more and more complex, but I think that there is a symbiotic relationship. And there is also a really good point around a a brand like Amazon. What is really their brand? Is what we experience as their brand, is it their logo, their website, all that kind of stuff? Or is it the actual interaction, how easy it is to go online and shop? And quite frankly, is the package going to be at your door the next day? That is their brand experience. They could change the logo. They could change a lot of other things as long as it's easy for you to go online and shop and the package is at your door the next day, you're still going to have a positive experience with the brand. When they start changing that, that, (laughs) they will will actually, you know, get penalized. I really don't think that people care that much about, you know, those types of visual interpretations of the brand. Again, I mean, they change direction completely. They'll pay attention to that. But as long as it's not too drastic, I don't think that it's going to make a big difference. Yep. All I care about is that it gets here fast. Yeah. (laughs) A good example of that was when Walmart rebranded, you know, a number of years back. It was a complete change. The new brand was actually really well done. Whether you like the actual brand itself or not is, is irrelevant. But the point is that they actually really knew their audience. They knew exactly how to, the, the brand reflects who they're speaking to, right? And it was a complete change, but they, they got it. I think they did it well too. I think they compare Walmart coming into Canada versus Target coming into Canada, for example. And one was an epic fail and the other one was an epic success. They did listen to their audience in this instance, right? I think the reason that Walmart is 
loved up here in Canada is they made a point of manufacturing or buying whatever products up here in Canada. They are that lowest price tenant of their business. And it's still to this day saving people money. They did a lot of things right that way. And I'd be hard pressed to find somebody who isn't really likes Walmart. The truth is, is that people choose Walmart and they interact with that brand for very specific reasons that are different than why we interact with other brands. So if if we're in a situation where I want a low price or I want speedy delivery or I want those kinds of things, then those personality traits are always going to be the more important thing. And if the brand changes those things, then I'm not going to be interested anymore. From a visual perspective, there are brands that are more visual in the world. If you look at Apple, if you look at some of the luxury brands like Louis Vuitton or Chanel or where these are very visual based brands, if they change the logo or they change the look, that would be a huge, huge issue. Whereas it's not as important for a Walmart or a Amazon because it's, it's not as integral to the brand experience. No, but my point with Walmart is when they rebranded their logo and everything else around it, their imagery, their voice, everything else speaks directly to the audience in terms of people know that it's a things are going to be at a low price. They are, it's a particular look and feel that it actually expresses. They didn't go for some black and white, uh, high-end kind of look and feel because that would be completely wrong for their audience, right? So, so that's my point. The logo, the way it was designed, the messaging around it, all the imagery, all of that aligns with cheaper products, volume shopping, all that kind of stuff that's perfectly aligned with who they're speaking to. Well, it creates their personality. It is the visual representation of their personality. And, and I think that any brand who says that the way they look and feel doesn't have an influence on the customers that they have or, or who interacts with their brand is just kidding themselves. And even though brands like Walmart or Costco are much more geared towards the experience, there's still a, an expectation visually and figuratively and literally around how people expect those brands to sound and feel when they when they interact with them. Is anyone choosing Walmart because of the logo? No, they're not. But if it's not right, if that whole brand experience isn't right, then it's not going to sit well because when the experience and the creation of that brand out in the marketplace don't align, it creates this conflict. And whenever that happens, it just doesn't work. So that's a great example of that combination of expectation and what the organization wants to put out in the world is so crucial. And anyone who is creating a brand or rebranding or doing whatever they need to do has to understand both sides of that equation. They have to understand both sides of that about who they need to be and how they need to be out there and what is expected of them once they are. And to that point, I think that instead of talking about ownership, we should be talking about some kind of a partnership. The moment the brand goes out to the market, it stops being fully owned by the company. It starts getting into this space of relationship between the audience and the company. Considering that the brand should be some of, for example, experiences and beliefs the audience has about the brand, right? So we should be talking more about a partnership. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And you know, you'll see often with brands when that partnership goes out the window, oftentimes the brand is dealing with some sort of conflict of some sort. So it's that's a great word, Christian, partnership. You know, it it really is this combination of the two things. And a great example of that is what happened with WhatsApp. Even though we're not talking about they were trying to change their logo or anything, they tried to change the way they manage their business by including all those policy changes and everything. What happened? Well, people started leaving the app, right? Massive migration to Signal, Telegram, those sorts of apps because they did not work on that partnership. They just relied on what was best for their business without thinking about the audience, right? Sounds yeah. like a dictatorship to me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the new See thing, brand, brand dictatorships. Yeah, no, let's, let's not have that. <laughs> I think it's also too, though, like t- looking back at all the examples we've kind of talked about, whether it was the Gap logo or the WhatsApp or Walmart or that, it's also in the way that you modify or adjust your brand. If we're talking back to the Gap, it was a, an extreme change very quickly. Right. Whereas other companies sort of ease into things. I think we've, we've kind of touched on this as we talk today as well. But I think that there's something to that. And I remember, I don't know, it's not really a quote, but listening to Steve Jobs at one point saying, like, if I'd come out with the iPhone 11 right out of the gate, that would have been too much change for people. So we had to sort of ease into it and move through things at a pace that, that people can comprehend and, and get used to change, right? And I think that that's playing a part in all the things we've talked about. If we look at the unsuccessful versions of brand adaptation, it, it really is when, when you go too far too fast. And I think that that's a big part of what we're talking about here in these partnerships. It's like, it, it's basically, if you don't really talk it over with your partner before you make these changes or you make these subtle changes, they're not going to like it. But if you kind of ease them into it, because you can't really have a conversation with the audience and say, okay, guys, what do you think about we change the logo or not? You kind of have to make that decision on your own, but you've got to ease them into it. You've got to get them there at their pace, not at your pace. So I just think that that's something else that should be brought up as part of this conversation. He didn't delete the iPhone button. He took 11 versions to delete the button on the iPhone. The, the, right? the home yeah. button, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You can still download it and have it there if you want. So, for all those people who are not who are who don't die like hard fans, die hard fans. Yeah, no, you're right. Like I think of if I go to Walmart and I end up walking in somewhere else and find whatever it was that I paid for at Walmart more, then yeah, you're kind of breaking that rule. You're kind of breaking that trust, and you know I think that impacts the brand. It's you're right. It's a partnership, Christian. Yeah. And whether you're the brand or whether you're the person interacting with the brand, it, it's always a precarious position. And if you're not getting what you want as a consumer from a brand, you use your money and your influence to kind of veer away from that brand. And the same way, if the brand is not getting the sales or the success that they need in the marketplace, then they might go away. And we've seen that happen as well. And so that partnership is so important because like anything, it all boils down to this idea of balance. And if we're not balancing the two elements, then it's not going to work. It's not going to work if the brand is totally controlled by the entity that created it without ever listening to the consumers that interact with it. And it's also not going to work if the consumers try to take over the brand and the brand loses all sense of what it was supposed to be in the marketplace anyway. So this idea of 
partnerships or symbiotic relationship is so key to ownership of the brand. I don't think it's either one. I don't think it's that the organization owns it or that the consumer owns it. It is this really important partnership to decide about which brands are going to be successful and how things are going to go forward. That being said, I don't think that the consumers necessarily own the innovation of the brand or they don't own the research and development of the brand, but they do own an opinion, an input channel. They do own this ability to comment on what the brand is doing. And ultimately, the organization has to make a decision around, is this what we want to do? Is this how we want to go forward? And is this who we want to be in the marketplace? So the word of the day from this one is definitely partnership. Brands are partnerships between the consumer and between the entity that owns the brand. And with that partnership comes a lot of responsibility on both sides and comes a lot of listening and making sure that who you are in the marketplace and what you expect in the marketplace is happening. So that's this week of Everything is Brand. Join us next week for a new topic and a new discussion. And remember, everything is brand.